What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Johnny Erez, and we are back with another edition of the Views from the John podcast, this time for Tuesday, December 17th, 2019. I'm not going to ask you how you are. I'm going to tell you that you're doing good. I can't take the risk. I can't risk you saying you're not doing good. So I'm telling you, you're doing good. That way it eliminates any risk of you not doing good. Oh, the weather outside is frightful. And I am not delightful. I really don't have any place to go. But I'm not going to say let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. Because I'm not a big fan of the snow. That's right. Your boy Johnny is anti-snow. Is it okay to be anti-snow? Am I going to get yelled at on Twitter if I tweet out I don't like snow? Am I going to be labeled as a uh, anti-weatherist? I don't know. But yes, as I am recording this, it is uh, snowy and icy and miserable here in the northeast United States, but that's uh, that's what happens when it gets to be Christmassy time, right? God, Christmas is only, what, uh, eight days away? Seven shopping days left? I tell you, I did some Christmas shopping recently. You know how long it took? Literally under three minutes. That's it. I wanted to buy some gifts for a 15-month-year-old that I know. That lives below me. Great, great kid. And uh, yeah, I thought of uh, a handful of things I wanted to get him. And it literally would have taken me all day driving around the great state of Massachusetts to purchase these four items. And I was able to do it in under three minutes on Amazon. Right from my iPhone. Isn't that amazing? Uh, Christmas shopping no longer entails having to literally go out for days at a time fighting crowds. You can literally just kick up your feet on the coffee table, pull up an app, click, 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 done, shows up at your house, already wrapped. It's taken all the, uh, I guess, stress out of it, right? Until the bill comes in. All right. So, today is Tuesday, December 17th, like I said, uh, last podcast was last Wednesday. And last Wednesday, I was talking about how I had two sets that night for stand-up. And I did a set, but I only did one. And why did I only do one? Well, in the city in which I am currently residing, uh, for the time being, uh, there are two clubs that are running open mics for comedy at the same exact time. And earlier this summer, they were staggered out. It was perfect. So as a stand-up, you could go do uh, your first set at Club A, and then right after your set finished, you could walk a couple blocks to the next club, sign up, and get up on the stage and do another set. But now these two um, clubs are kind of... Uh, stupidly bashing heads trying to compete with one another because of some stupid shit went down this summer and it's not good for anybody it's not good for either business it's not good for the people that come watch the comedy it's not good for the comics it's not good for the hosts it's it's not good for anybody uh this is a i don't know 
it's not a tiny area, but it's not New York City, it's not Chicago, it's not LA, it's not Boston. There's not a billion clubs doing comedy where you can get up every single night. So when you have two clubs in the same city doing an open mic on the same night, right down the road at the same time, you're just, you know what I'm saying? You know, there's no open mic in this city for comedy uh, or any kind of comedy. Uh, Monday nights, uh, Tuesday nights, Thursday nights, Friday, Saturday. I mean, you have to go outside this current city of it. So why? Why would you have your comedy open mic for two clubs in the same exact little city on the same exact night at the same time? <laughs> the comics can't do both. They used to have them on the same night, but like I said, they were staggered. But now they're having them on the same night at the same time, and they're just directly competing. It's not good for anybody. It's not good for the comics. It's not good for either club because, you know what I'm saying? Stagger it if you want to have it on the same nights. Um, you know, it's, it's ridiculous. So, yeah, I was planning on doing two sets, but my loyalty lies with Bishop's, Bishop's Lounge. That's where my loyalty lies. And uh, my loyalty goes beyond uh, just that club. Uh, the MC, the host of uh, Bishop's Comedy, awesome, funny comic. He is the next guy, as far as I'm concerned, out of this area, making it big. Um, I hope I get to watch that happen. But, uh, yeah, my loyalty lies with uh, the fantastic bartender force. Bishop's ownership, Tim Lovett, you guys are the best. My loyalty lies with Bishop's, not with the place down the street. If the place down the street wants to smarten up and maybe uh, move their open mic night to a separate night, which would benefit everybody, literally, it would benefit them, the business, they wouldn't be directly competing. It just makes too much sense. So I don't know what kind of rift is happening between, you know, I don't know. I hear bits and pieces, but regardless, everybody knows it. It's not good for anybody, whether you're a customer, the business owner, a comic, the guy that's hosting these mic nights. You don't have one or have two open mics or whatever on the same, in the same little city on the same night at the same time. You know, it's it's stupid. So that's why I was unable to do the two sets I talked about. Would have been impossible. I do have a doppelganger, but uh, unfortunately he was unavailable that night. So um, I just, I don't know. I can't do it anymore. I can't be at two places at the same time. I used to be great at that, but I, I, I just can't do it anymore. But how was my last set? I was talking last week how I was excited to uh, do a couple new bits I had been working on. And if memory serves, I know one of the bits I was working on, which was really funny, I completely butchered when I got up on stage. I butchered it. Uh, when I listened back to the audio, I got some chuckles here and there. But the way I wanted to pace it, the tags I had written for it, it just... And that's the whole purpose of these. They're practice, right? So... I felt the material was there for that one particular bit. I just, I completely screwed it up on stage, and I shouldn't have. Um, one of the bits I wasn't even planning on talking about probably got the biggest laugh, and it was all based on a true story. Um, I don't even know. I uh, It was pretty good, I guess. Uh, more people than there was a few weeks ago. Uh, three times as many comics as there was a week ago. So, uh, but that's just it. Um... 
when I listened back to the audio, uh, there were two bits I did. I got 10 minutes uh, last Wednesday, and there were two bits I did um, that really got the room roaring. And uh, those are the bits I marked down. So, you know, now that uh, life has uh, loosened up its grips on me a little bit and is uh, allowing me to get back out there, um, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, by the springtime, I have a solid hour of good material. And uh, then Netflix can get me on a fucking special, right, and pay me my $30 million. I don't think that's going to happen. But anyways, that's what happens. A couple weeks ago, recorded the set, listened back to it made notes of the jokes that worked, the jokes that didn't, and then uh, again last week made notes of the jokes that worked, the jokes that didn't, the jokes that should have worked but I fucked up, which I can try again but not for that particular crowd. So yeah, um, after I record this podcast and then we go into pre-production on it uh, later on this afternoon, I will be putting together a set for tomorrow night. And, uh, yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do, but my joke book is literally overflowing with bits. So that's the fun part, picking out uh, which bits I want to try out tomorrow night and uh, seeing how the crowd reacts. What else? What else? What else? What else? What else? Oh, yeah, I'm telling you, these these comedy nights in this town, or city, rather, you know what makes a difference between a city and a town? A town does not have a mayor. Okay, and a city does. Okay, so if you want to know if you're in a town or a city, do you have a mayor? Do they have a mayor? If they have a mayor, it's a city. If they do not have a mayor, it's considered a town. Okay, so yes, in this city, uh, I think it's one of the best kept secrets. Okay, if you like stand up comedy, right, and you live in New York or LA or Boston or Chicago, there's right, there's plenty of actual comedy clubs to go to right and you go down to one of those comedy clubs let's say we're in new york city right now it's tuesday night we're gonna go to uh i don't know laugh boston or, yeah laugh boston yeah laugh new york uh the, the comedy cellar whatever okay it's gonna cost you money to get in they have uh two drink minimum Meaning, you know, you got two people that sit at a table, you got to pay to get in, then you got to pay for the drinks. The drinks are like 20 bucks a pot, you know. It's expensive, right? But you get to see some comedy. In this city, you can go to a place like I'm going to be performing at tomorrow night. It doesn't cost you anything to get in. You can still sit at a table. The drinks are 75% less than New York City. You can order some fantastic food from one of two restaurants that sits below the club. And you get to watch some fantastic, great up-and-coming comics work out their shit for completely free. This, this same night out would cost you a lot of money in New York City. But in this little city, right, you can go see, like I said, tomorrow night you can see 5 10 15 up-and-coming comics that you know some of us could one day be stars who knows but that's what i'm saying you know in the city if you're in boston chicago new york la miami whatever i'm sure there's tons of comedy clubs but you go you got to pay a cover you got to pay for the expensive drinks you have to have so many drinks or you get tossed out of the club but like i'm saying if you live in a smaller city chances are there's probably a comedy club 
uh, chances are there might just be a regular cub uh, club like the one I perform at tomorrow night. That's just uh, that is a regular club, not necessarily a comedy club, but they have a comedy night. And like I said, it's the best kept secret. If you love stand-up comedy and you happen to not be living in New York or L.A. or whatever, chances are there's probably a club in your city that has a comedy night which features local comics. They're not always local. Um, last week uh, when I performed, um, I wanted. I think there was one guy that was in town from New York City just looking for a place to get up, do his set. I believe there was a couple guys from Boston and maybe a couple from Worcester. So... You know, people travel all over, and in January, I'm going down to New York City um, for the Patrice O'Neill benefit, and uh, I plan on getting up that weekend. It'll be my first time in New York City doing comedy. So uh, that's just it. You know, people come into the city. I try to help them out with mics. I go into New York. Those people then have my back, hook me up with mics. It's great. It's a great uh, scene. But like I'm saying, it's the best kept secret. If you like comedy, especially stand-up, you can just go to Bishop's tomorrow night and see some great comedy, laugh your ass off, and spend next to nothing. You don't have to drink if you don't want to. There's no cover charge. So you can just go out into the city, find parking, a lot easier than you could find in uh, Boston or New York, right? And if you don't want to spend money, you don't have to. You could just sit there for two hours, watch some great comedy for absolutely free. And some of these people, hopefully me included, you know, one day, uh, you, you know, we could grace, uh, you know, Netflix or uh, HBO, Showtime, uh, something, right? So, yeah, best kept secret. If you happen to be living in a small town USA, there's probably a comedy night at, you know, your local uh, whatever. So go check it out. So what's happening in the news? Well, I got to bring this up because everybody know. Well, I don't, I don't know. If you've never listened to this podcast, you probably don't know a fucking thing about me. But if you listen to this podcast, you probably know that I am very unpolitically correct. I don't like politically political correctness. I think it's stupid. It's so stupid. And this is just an example of it. There is a professional football player. He's a cornerback. He was playing for, most recently, the New York Giants, Janoris Jenkins. Janoris Jenkins happened to call somebody on Twitter a retard. You get that? He called somebody a retard. And, oh, you can't do that on Twitter, people. You can't call somebody a fucking retard. I think the... F okay, so anyways, he was fired. He was fired as a professional football player from the New York Giants all because he called a fan retarded in a Twitter message. The fan was being an asshole, and the guy wrote back something about stats and then called him a retard. And up... The whole world stops, right? Because somebody called somebody a fucking retard. Are you kidding me? The dude lost his job over it. His job. Because he called somebody a fucking retard, okay? I have a job. Uh, they don't necessarily know I do this podcast, but uh, yeah, here it is, okay? Janoris Jenkins got fired uh, from the New York Giants for calling somebody a retard. I'm going to call every one of my listeners right now a fucking retard. Every one of you listening to this podcast is a fucking retard. All right? Fire me. 
Try it. But how ridiculous is that? I've talked about this with people a million times. Other podcasters have, comedians have. I don't want to beat a dead horse. But if you look at some of these words like that's retarded or he's retarded or this is retarded or that's gay or you're a fag, none of those words as I was growing up ever meant what they mean today. Okay? Calling a situation or somebody a retard was like calling somebody or a situation stupid. It didn't mean what it means or is supposed to mean today. Calling a situation or somebody gay... I have been saying that's gay since before it was even gay, before people even were gay. Every, everybody still says it. Oh, that's so gay. But then the gay people came out and said, oh, you can't think that, you know? But even the worst thing is the word fag. Fag. Look up the word fag in the dictionary. Fag in England was a word for a cigarette. Fag, in the dictionary, used to mean a bundle of sticks. I've been calling people fags for fucking years. But, the homosexuals came along and said, you know what, the word fag means us. I didn't, apparently, and, it, and they said it, it, it's a hateful word. Okay? So the homosexuals came along and said fag is our word and it means not nice things so you can't say it. Really? And the, 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 this whole political correct bullshit is just, it's driving me fucking crazy, okay? Now, is it politically correct to call some uh, call a person of color the n-word? Absolutely not. Alright? But, but, you know, we're walking a tightrope here. You know, to me, it's just common, it's, I don't know, some of it's common sense, some of it's not, but just all common sense is now out the window. But for a professional football player to be fired because he called somebody a retard, are we serious, people? Really? You can't let that one slide? So, I don't know, I just, uh, I, I, I don't know, it, it, it makes me almost speechless. The fact that somebody can lose their job this day and age because they call somebody retarded on fucking Twitter. Come on. All right, something else. There's a lady in my life who I love to death, but she drives me fucking crazy. And one of the things she does to drive me crazy, right? She's the only person I know who uses this feature on her iPhone, but it drives me up a wall, okay? So evidently, uh, and I, I, I don't have my phone set up to do this. I, you know, I don't even know how you do this. But if you've ever tried calling somebody and they have an iPhone, right? You can hit the, uh, you know, I don't want to talk to you right now button. And at the same time, you can have, uh, when you hit, I don't want to talk to you right now button. It can automatically send a text to that person saying, I can't talk right now. This woman does that to me every fucking time, okay? And she knows it drives me fucking crazy. I get it. You can't pick up the phone every time I call you. No problem. I don't need a text message when I just tried calling you and you didn't pick up now saying that you can't talk. 
You know how I know you can't talk? Because you didn't pick up the fucking phone. I don't need a text message on top of it saying you can't talk. I get it. Why are we doubling up the efforts here? I don't know. Call me crazy, but that drives me nuts. You know how I know that she's unavailable? It's because she doesn't pick up the phone. I get it. Call me back. I don't need a double reminder that you didn't pick up the phone and you can't talk. I get it. If you could talk, you would have picked up the phone, right? So why do you have to text me saying you can't talk? I get it. Oh, shit. All right, let's move on. All right, last night I'm watching TV. Big surprise, right? And I see another one of these fucking medical commercials. If I see another one of these medical commercials, all right? We got people dying left and right from cancer and all sorts of other big bad diseases. But yet, how many more commercials am I going to see where these scientists dream up a medication to cure something that probably doesn't need to be fucking cured, right? They have a medication out there that will cure anything, right? People are throwing billions of dollars into making your cock grow bigger, straighter, longer, you know, making your head into a fucking Chia Pet because you're bald, making you grow five inches, you know, getting your libido, whatever, all right? But we can't cure simple diseases. We can't cure a cold. Somehow we can't cure fucking cancer, you know. But yet we're out there sinking billions of dollars into pharmaceutical companies who want to, who want to fix how straight your erection is. And this is what I'm on to, okay? Evidently, there's a disease. It's a real disease. It's called Peroni's disease. And how do you get Peroni's disease? Well, you can get Peroni's disease, evidently, if you fuck too hard. Peroni's disease is for people who have evidently damaged their cock because they bent it during sex. Okay? How the fuck do you bend your cock during sex to the point now to when you get an erection? It's like crooked, you know? Your cock's supposed to look like a like a I, but now it looks like an L. How the fuck does that happen? And who decided to cure it? You know? We got common colds, right, that we can't cure. Then we got cancer that's just knocking off the population, all these epidemics left and right. But there's people, there's scientists in labs that have figured out a way, they have developed a medication to cure how crooked your fucking boner is. You get that? If you have a crooked dick, you can take a pill and straighten that fucker out. But if you have a cold or you get cancer, you're fucked. I don't know, people. I don't know. But honest to God, did we really have to cure how straight your fucking cock is? Aren't there more important things to worry about, people, than how straight your dick is? And that's another thing. How do you bend your cock? It's not like this is like a rubber hose, right? Like You know, like, like, a, like a Gumby? You know, you know, I don't know. I don't get it. I don't, I don't get how you can permanently have a kink in your cock because you damaged it while you're fucking like, I, I don't even see how that happens in the first place. And then to make it even more interesting, like I keep saying is 
what ph pharmaceutical company said, oh, you know, there's, we can't cure the common cold, uh, we can't cure cancer, we don't have a cure for this, that, and the other fucking thing, Parkinson's disease, Marfan's disease, all these fucking diseases. But let's go out there and put our best foot forward to make sure no more men have crooked cocks. That's where we have, that's where our priorities lie. Oh my god. All right. Let's move on to another topic. Um, I was thinking about doing some Christmassy stuff today, but uh, there's going to be another podcast before Christmas. So I think the next podcast, it's going to be uh, a Christmassy themed podcast where everything will be all about Christmassy stuff. Next podcast. Remember the Halloween special I did? And then uh, South Park did a Halloween special not too long after. I don't know. Is Trey and Matt listening to the views from the John podcast? I don't fucking think they are. But anyways, yes, we had the Horribleween special for uh, Halloween. We talked about doing a Thanksgiving special, but uh, during Thanksgiving, it was one of the worst periods of my life. Thank you very much. And now that we're on to Christmas, uh, it's going to be a dark Christmas for my family this year. But uh, as you can tell by the tone of my voice... I'm dealing with it, bro. Okay? I'm dealing with it. So, yes, next week we will do a Christmas-themed special. However, I am going to give you a Christmas story. No, not the movie. With Ralphie, who shot his eye out. Right? But he tells his parents that an icicle fell off the garage. And that's, that's another thing. A Christmas story, right? You're going to shoot your eye out. How much kick does a BB gun have? Okay? Because even if you were to, like, not put a shotgun up to your body to absorb the kick, a shotgun's not going to do what it did to uh, Ralphie's glasses, right? But yet the kick on a BB gun knocked out, it broke his glasses. I tell you, that movie was almost 100% accurate until they just ruined it with that scene, right? Why can't they make a movie more accurate? Everything about that movie is accurate, but a BB gun doesn't have any kick, so how is it going to ruin his glasses? And I'm just kidding, people. I really don't care about that part. All right, so how did I ruin Christmas as a kid? Well, I'm going to tell you how. Um, I don't remember how old I was. I don't. I could have been 8. I could have been 12. I could have been 10. I could have even been 9. I don't know. But somewhere around that age, my parents were out. It was... I don't know, a week or two before Christmas, and what did I do? I went snooping around the house looking for hidden gifts, right? And I struck gold, so to speak. I went deep into the back side of my parents' closet, right? So their closet wasn't just the width of the doors, right? The closet was probably like a... Eight foot closet by maybe three foot feet deep, but where the doors would end, there was still another three feet to like either side. So if you're looking at the closet on the very left hand side, even though the door ended, you still had another three feet around that corner, right? And it wasn't a walk-in closet; it was just an open closet, but it was pretty deep and wide and big. Anyway, so one fateful night during the Christmas season, I went snooping around. I went into the deep, dark back corner of my parents' closet, and what did I find? I found a shopping bag with a video game in it. 
for a video game system that I did not own yet. Dun, dun, dun. Well, what did that do? Well, I tell you, it fucking ruined Christmas for me. So if you're a kid and you're listening to this podcast, what are you doing listening to a podcast? This is an adult show. Stop. (laughs) No, but seriously. Um, If you have kids and they're at that age where they're kind of snooping around the house, step up your hiding game. Because uh, I think all kids probably do that. I did, and it ended up ruining it for me. Because not only did I now know what I was getting for Christmas, but because I found a video game for a video game system I didn't own, and then Christmas morning comes around and Santa left a video game system, it then confirmed for me that Santa was my parents, okay? So not only did I blow Christmas and all the surprises, but I ended up blowing up Santa Claus's spot, right? All because I had to fucking snoop, and it completely ruined Christmas for me. I knew what I was getting, everything. Just by finding that one video game, I was able to connect all the dots on Christmas morning. So don't snoop. Don't snoop, because it literally ruined it for me. However, I like to look at the bright side of any situation, even a bad situation like that. And the bright side of it was... It was my first acting gig, right? As an 8 or 10-year-old, I had to act genuinely fucking ecstatic on Christmas morning. And I had to act surprised, like I had no idea I was getting that video game system. And I had no idea I was getting that video game. And I had no idea I was getting this. I literally had to fool my family. And I had to act surprised. And I think I did a great job of it. And I literally don't know to this day... If my family, if I ever told them about that. And uh, I don't quite know if any of my family does listen to this podcast. I've told them repeatedly not to. But uh, that doesn't stop people, right? But anyways, yes. I ruined Christmas for myself years ago. Because I just had to snoop. And then I had to put on the acting. I'm telling you, if there was an Oscar for kids and there was like a reality show back then or something and there was a, you know, camcorders existed, I would have gotten an Oscar nomination for the acting role that I put on that Christmas morning. Because I acted like I hadn't skipped a beat, even though I had completely ruined Christmas for myself. So the moral of the story is kids, don't snoop. It's going to ruin it, and parents understand that your kids, even though they might say they're not, they snoop. So if you have to hide the gifts like in a completely separate house, do it. Or maybe wrap them up before you even bring them into the house, like wrap them out of friend's house. Because I'm telling you, your kids are going to snoop. And even when you have the most angel of a child that you think is so perfect and you think that they don't do anything wrong or bad or whatever outside of your view, let's stop that thought right now. You were a kid, were you not? I mean, I think I've turned into a model citizen at age 41. I used to be a dickhead, but I've come a long way. However, I don't know what my point of that was. Oh, I don't know. Parents. Like I'm saying, even if you think your kid is an honor student and he's blah, 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 you know, 
My point is they still do some uh, some shady things, okay? They're kids. Kids being kids. Kids snoop. So understand your kids are going to snoop. It's not their fault. They're just being a kid. Um, I, I can't blame it on my parents for not hiding it well enough because they hid it in a place I really had no business being in. Uh, but again, kids are going to snoop. You can't get mad at them because it's kids being kids. So put it on the parents. Parents, don't hide your Christmas gifts in the house. Hide them in the car, way away from the kids where they can't even remotely try to snoop and get to it because they're going to snoop. And uh, yeah, then they won't have to uh, put on a um, acting class on Christmas morning, right? There you go. Hopefully that made your life a little bit better. All right. The last thing I have written down is a story I've been wanting to talk about for a long time. And uh, it's an interesting one. And I eventually want to tell this story on stage. But I don't quite know how to make it funny. or I don't know. Some people might find it funny. I don't know. But I think it's an interesting story. And it's how I picked up my high school sweetheart. Um, my My... Senior year of high school, I met a freshman in high school. Her name was Lisa. And it was love at first sight. And we went on to have a, what, two, two and a half year relationship after that. Um, like I said, I met her in the fall of her freshman year. And I was with her almost until the end of her junior year. And she was quite the wild spirit. So for her to have stayed with me for two and a half years while she was a freshman all the way until she was almost graduated as a, as a junior, uh, for this girl, that was saying something. And uh, so anyways, um, this girl, by the time I'd say I graduated high school, after I'd been with her for about nine months, was probably the most beautiful and most popular freshman in that school. And the next year... When she was a sophomore and I was now a freshman in college, she was probably the most sought-after uh, girl in that school. And I'm telling you, back then I was a little bit gel-gel, right? I was a little jealous. Um, I had a whole shitload of confidence my first six months I dated this girl. But then when she became more and more beautiful and popular and everybody was trying to hit on her at the same time and she wasn't having it, but, you know... You, I was, what, 18, 19 years old? Going out with the most popular, prettiest girl in probably this entire state. She was awesome. She really was. Just picture the most perfect girl, right? Um, she was so cool that she could hang out with one of the guys, could do anything the guys could do. She was wicked funny, wicked outgoing, but also extremely sweet. She knew exactly what to say or what not to say, when to say it. She could always, always make me laugh. Even when I was having the worst day or I was so grumpy, she knew how to make me laugh. Uh, I, I literally have not met a girl that was as complete as she was. And her and I should have gotten married. We just met way too soon in our lives. Had we met when we were in our 20s or 30s, um, I think we'd be married. But we, we just met too young, and there was no way that she was going to um, only be with me throughout her entire life. She was just too much of a wild child. She had to go out and, you know, 
and she did, believe me, after we broke up, um, uh, the summer of 97, uh, she went rogue for many years, and she, uh, she sowed her wild oats, or whatever the fuck that saying is, but anyways, how did I score what would become the most beautiful, popular, and sought-after girl in our entire high school? And this is how I did it. Here's the story. It was lunch, right? I was lo- I was walking from my locker to the lunchroom. My locker was on the second floor. The lunchroom was on the third floor. Walking down the hallway, I went into the stairwell and started walking up the stairs to head to the cafeteria. And while I'm walking up the stairs, a few feet in front of me is a Puerto Rican man. And uh, about 10 feet in front of him is this beautiful Puerto Rican lady. And I, I observed this. Here's how he hit on her in that stairwell. And I shit you not, okay? This would, I, I didn't think in a million years this would have worked back in the mid-90s, and it certainly would not work in 2019. But this is how this Puerto Rican gentleman hit on a Puerto Rican lady. Swear to God, this is what he said verbatim. Yo, baby, you looking good. Right? That's exactly what he said to her. He's like, yo, baby, you looking good. Right? And she turns around, and I'm expecting her to give him, like, this look of death and be like, what did you just say to me? But she turns around and she's like, yeah. And and then he's like, yeah. And then they start talking. I couldn't believe what I just watched. I said, that just worked? He just yelled, like, like, kind of catcalled at a, at a lady and said, Yo, baby, you looking good. You got a boyfriend. And I'm expecting her to turn around and be like, What the fuck did you just say to me? But she turns around and goes, Yeah, no, I don't got a boyfriend. And then they hit it off. I couldn't believe what the fuck I had just seen, right? So now I'm in the lunchroom, in the cafeteria, sitting down with my homies, and I'm explaining to them what I just watched. I said, I cannot believe that this dude just hit on this girl in that fashion, and then she, like, took to it like a duck to water, right? So I just finished explaining the story to my buddies at the uh, at our at our table, right? And this girl I had never seen before, which would end up being my Lisa, walked up to our table, right at the uh, head of it, uh, trying to talk to my buddy Matt, who was like uh, across from me and maybe like three people down. And I just finished the story. So we all stopped talking because there's this girl now standing at the head of our table, and, and I'm sitting right at the end of the table. And I look up at her, and I said the same line that the Puerto Rican guy did. I looked at her, and I said, Yo, baby, you look good. I said, You got a boyfriend? And she looks at me, and now she gave the response I was expecting the initial girl to give to the Puerto Rican guy. She looked at me, and if looks could kill, I'd be dead. And she looked right at me, and she's like, no you know and then she just walked off like she she, so that's the kind of response i expected but i looked right at i I was like yo baby you got a boyfriend she's like no right i shit you not two periods later i'm in study hall in the uh library and one of her best friends 
um, what was her name? I remember her last name, Kyla. One of her best friends, Kyla, uh, came through that study hall and said, hey, my friend Lisa's asking about you. Did you talk to her at lunch and blah, blah, blah? That week, I want to say this might have happened on a Monday or Tuesday. I think that Friday night was Lisa and I's first date. We fell in love and we were inseparable the next two and a half years. That's how I met my high school sweetheart is I looked right at her and I said, yo, baby, you looking good. You got a boyfriend. It worked. It worked for me. And it worked for the other dude. And that's why I love this story. Because that was the craziest way I've ever seen a dude hit on a girl. And it worked for him. And then I went and told my friends how nuts it was. I went and did it. And then I ended up with what would become, or what was, the hottest, most popular girl in that school between freshman, sophomore, junior, senior class. She became the girl to be with, and she was mine, and that's how I picked her up. So there you go. I learned something. I learned how to pick women up by watching a Puerto Rican kid, right? And that's another thing about this area that I've never talked about. Uh, we always want to talk about black and white, right, in this country, but in the area I live in, there's actually more Puerto Rican people and people from Puerto Rico than there is uh, people of color. Um, you travel to other parts of the country and you really don't see a lot of Spanish, whether it be Mexican or actual Spain or uh, from Puerto Rico. But in this area has a very high uh, concentration of uh, Puerto Ricans. And Puerto Ricans are awesome. Some of the best people I've ever met have been from Puerto Rico. And that's why I love Spanish. And that's why I can actually speak Spanish uh, semi-fluently. Semi-fluently. And I never took it. Somehow, and you're going to wonder probably how I did this, because I didn't go to a vocational school, right, where we were working on tractors and shoveling shit. I went to a normal high school. And in any normal high school, you have to take a language for all four years. I somehow went all four years of high school without taking a language, and nobody caught on to it. And I was able to take SATs and get into a college, which you're not supposed to be able to do if you didn't take four years of a language. I took Spanish one year, and I believe that was sixth grade. I think they started teaching us Spanish or French. It was our choice in fifth or sixth grade. And I don't know who would want to speak French. I'm not saying you can't use French, right? Especially if you're French or you go over uh, to Europe or you go up into Canada, eh? But uh, Spanish, man, Spanish is spoken everywhere, right? Um, and it's a pretty, I think it's a pretty easy language to speak. And um, uh, with all the jobs I've had in the restaurant business and stuff, um, I've met a lot of people who speak Spanish, uh, some great people. Uh, I got great friends that uh, came from Guatemala, the Guatemalans, awesome people. A couple people from Brazil, although they kind of speak a... a you know, down in Brazil, it's like a Portuguese type of kind of Spanish and stuff. But, um, yeah, very diverse area that I live in. Um, you won't find a lot of Spanish people, um, I think, depending on which states you go to. Uh, but Spanish people are awesome. I love my Spanish people. I love my people of color. I talked about it before. I'm a white man, 
but white people, if you're white and you're listening to this podcast, you scare me. White people, white people scare me these days. Every time I go out into public doing anything nowadays, right? Every white person I run into is either zombied out like they just shot heroin and they probably did or they're the biggest asshole on the face of the earth. But yet every time I come across one of my homies, one of my people of color, one of my Puerto Rican friends, one of my people who aren't toxic white trash, they're as funny and as normal as they've ever been. I don't get it. Wake up, white people. Put down the fucking opiates. Okay? Um, yeah, white people are crazy. Um, especially around here. You're all nuts. Um, I, I think I told this story like five or six weeks on the podcast where there was a Saturday recently back in October when I got stuck behind leaf peepas. Remember that? The, remember the leaf peepa episode? And I said everyone I encountered that day who was white was just fucking miserable. But the two coolest kids I met that day were two black kids at a fucking dick sporting goods helping me buy sneakers. They were so relaxed and they were so chill, just like they've always been, right? But for some reason, the white race, especially around here, is just, they're just miserable, evil, weird people. They're either high on opiates and they're like, duh, or they're just like, I hate you and I'm going to sue you because you looked at me wrong and look at my, I don't know. Wake up, white people. Take the needle out of your arm. All right. That's all I got for today. That's it. I'm not putting as much effort into this podcast anymore, people, right? You know, what am I going to do? I'm going to type out this long, drawn-out fucking this, that, and the other thing. This is what I'm doing from now on, people, right? Literally, I have a little notepad here, and I just went... And that's what I'm talking about today. That's it. Right here in my joke book. Most comics have a joke book, right? Go to any open mic night for comedy, even if it's considered an open mic for somebody like Bill Burr. And chances are he might have some kind of a notebook or he might look into his phone because that's where we keep our joke ideas. Most of us have a notebook that we carry around, like mine. I also keep a lot of my jokes and ideas in my iPhone, right? So, if you watch me perform Wednesday night, tomorrow night, chances are I might have, my phone will definitely be on the table in front of me, because that's me recording the audio, and I will probably have a notebook or a piece of paper in front of me that just says uh, the topics I want to talk about. Because again, these open mics, they're practice, practice, practice. Even established comedians go to open mic nights to practice. They have a new bit they want to work out. They need a live audience. They'll go to an open mic and they test that bit. And then they record it. Then they listen back to it. And then they might rewrite it a little bit. Add some tags. And then they'll go back to a different club a few nights later and test it. And see if it got better. And then they keep developing it. That's what I'm doing. However, um, I don't want to do the same bits at the same venue each week. However, some of the bits that have gone well at the open mic I do on Wednesdays, I could test out at another mic for a different crowd, right? So this is what it's all about. So yeah, uh, this podcast is going to be wrapped up for today, and I'm going to spend the rest of my afternoon uh, looking through my joke book. I got some wild ideas in my head, 
one of which I think will be really funny, but I just can't seem to develop it past like a one-liner, you know? So that's my life, folks. I have to now sit down and try to figure out how to make your ass laugh despite being on all those opiates, sir. I don't know how to do it. When you're all doped up, the what? <laughs> I don't know how to make you laugh. I don't. So anyways, that is today's podcast. I am Johnny Erez, spelt A-R-E-Z. Learn it. Know it. My production company, the one who produces and sponsors this podcast, Reality Drip. We're all over the place, dripping fucking reality, right? Thank you for tuning in today. This has been your boy, Johnny. Here's Johnny. Remember... Uh, Bob Barker, right? He was doing the prices right 40, 50 years. You remember how he used to sign off from every single broadcast? He'd say, remember, have your pet spayed or neutered. I'm Bob Barker. We'll see you tomorrow. Why did that guy, you know? I'm just thinking of this now, riffing off the top of my head. Why would that guy end every single show? He could say anything, right? Any kind of great advice he could leave, but every show he fucking ended it with reminding us to have your pet spayed or neutered, right? Why does he give a shit if my dog or cat is neutered? Does Bob Barker really care if your cat can fuck or your dog can fuck? I mean, why don't we neuter Bob Barker? Remember to have Bob Barker fucking spayed or neutered. All right. So, yes, like I usually do, I am going to sign off on this podcast by saying that I love you and I appreciate your support. And I remind you to smile because life is a gift. It's too fucking short. It's too short to be sad. It's too short to fucking worry. Every second that you're alive is a gift from God. Fucking embrace it. Your life sucked today? Change it. Change it. I just told you guys last week on the podcast, you could probably hear from the tone of my voice. I just went through the... Two or three toughest weeks of my life, bar fucking none. I don't know if anything will ever be that hard again. And for the last nine months, I've been in a super funk, watching somebody very close to me slowly die. But how do I sound so positive and upbeat? How am I back at work? How am I killing it at life right now? Is it because I didn't care about the person I lost? No. It's because I have two options right now, people. I can crawl into a fucking ball and cry about how sad I am that I miss this person, right? Or I could get stronger from what I've learned from it and know that she's in a better place and kick ass in my own life. One will get you far, one won't. That's why I choose to go right, people. I don't lean right or left. We're not talking about politics here. We're talking about that fork in the road. Anytime life throws you a bad day or a tragic fucking moment, you got two fucking choices. To cry, curl up into a ball, give up, yell, scream, worry, whatever the fuck you do. Or you can face that problem head on, grin and bear it, understand that time heals everything and that what does not kill us makes us stronger. Which one are you going to do? I'm choosing the latter. And I hope you do too. 
So remember, I love you. I appreciate the fucking support. And tune in for the next podcast, which, I don't know, could be end of this week, could be Monday. I don't know. But I can promise you there'll be at least one more podcast before Christmas. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk about Christmas shit. From, uh, you know, nutcrackers to, uh, you know, Christmas movies to uh, Christmas music to Santa Claus, the meaning of Christmas. I think people forgot what Christmas is about, right? You got devil worshippers out there that have Christmas trees up. Does that make any sense to you? How many families did I grow up with that didn't believe in God, didn't believe in Jesus, but they fully celebrate Christmas? Because, you know, because it's all about toys and presents and shit. No. Christmas is Jesus' birthday. Jesus was born on Christmas Day. That's why we celebrate Christmas. Santa comes around and gives gifts because it's a celebration because our Lord and Savior was born today. But yet you have people who don't believe in God or even worship the fucking devil, but yet they celebrate Christmas. Let's not forget, people. Let's not forget, right? Like everybody forgets about uh, Thanksgiving and what Thanksgiving was all about, right? Us taking away, uh, um, you know, the American lands from the Native Indians and sharing a little bit of their food with them, right? Same thing with Christmas. Christmas, we have Christmas people because of somebody named Jesus Christ who is our Lord and Savior, my Lord and Savior. And if you don't believe in him or God, I feel sorry for you, okay? If you know anything about me, you'll know that I don't believe anything until I have proof. And I can tell you unequivocally at 41 years old, there has been countless times where God has proven to me that he is absolutely 100% real. And if you haven't had an experience like that, I feel sorry for you. But God has proven to me time and time again that he is absolutely real. That I have a garden and angel. I do. And you do too. Would it be so hard to believe in him? Is it going to take a moment out of your day? Seriously. If you were raised religious or maybe not raised religious, it's really not a bad thing to get into. Look at the morals and the ethics that like the Christian or Catholic Church teaches you. Not to cheat, not to steal, to be a good human to your community, to your family, to your wife. And all they ask you to do is show up to church once a week, say some prayers. Then you get to meet some great people. The church will literally do anything for you. And I know the priests get a bad rep and all that stuff, but but don't listen to that, okay? There's 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 bad people that touch little boys, okay, in every facet, okay? Just because there happens to be some priests that have done it, okay? I'm sure a fucking rabbi, Halil, you know, have touched the boy. That's what you know. What I'm saying, okay? I'm just saying that. Um, I was raised in the church, and then when I got into my 20s and 30s, I kind of wavered away from my faith. I didn't lose faith, but I wasn't really that into it. And now that I've gotten older, and I've seen some things, some amazing things that, I don't know, my spirituality is back. It really is. It doesn't mean I'm a Jesus freak. I'm just saying, um, if you've never tried to... um, believe in God or hand your heart over to God or I don't know look into it 
um, because it's very uplifting. It's very spiritual. And you'll meet some great, great, great human beings. Like some of the uh, people that, uh, um, I, I don't want to go there. But I'm, I'm telling you. One of the things I keep talking about on this podcast is I'm trying to teach you people from the mistakes I've made. And I'm trying to teach you people from some of the revelations and eye-opening experiences I've had this summer and I'm currently going through. One of which is letting uh, Jesus and God into your heart. And I know for I'm sounding like a Jesus freak now, right? But, sorry. Um... That's the best advice I can give you. If you're even a little bit spiritual or you used to be spiritual and you kind of fell out of it, go back to it. It's all good. Nothing bad comes from believing in a higher power and asking that higher power. Like, you know, you, you can't ask God for a Ferrari, right? Or to put a million dollars in your bank account. But you can absolutely ask God for the strength or the knowledge or the wisdom to get you that position or to get you in that position that could afford you a Ferrari. You see what I'm saying? God already did all of us a solid by putting us on earth and getting to experience life and having free will. I think all of us take advantage of that every day. The fact that we have free will, we are in a body, able to do anything and everything our fucking heart desires if we put our mind to it. That's a gift, people. And every day we just roll like Groundhog Day, right? Oh, wake up today, do this, do this next day. You see what I'm saying? Seriously. The next five minutes of my life is a gift. I'm going to treat it that way. Then five minutes after that, it's another gift. I'm going to treat it that way. It's a great fucking day to be alive, people. I'm happy to be alive. I hope you're happy to be alive. And I hope I either made you laugh, I either made you cry, I made you, I don't know. I hope I did something for you. But again, I'm talking too much, and I've already tried to end this podcast 15 times, so let's make it a 16th. I'm Johnny Ares. This has been another edition from Views from the John, and I will talk to you next time we do a podcast. Later. Wake up, white people. Hey, do you mind covering for me for a bit? I might go lay down in the John. <laughs> <laughs>